Hello and welcome to the Dobcast. I'm Erica Stacey and in this episode I'm delighted to be speaking with Brooke McCarthy. Brooke is a digital marketer, trainer and business coach who specialises in the health and creative sectors. I first came across Brooke through a couple of industry Facebook groups we were both members of and was immediately attracted to her approach to both business and marketing, which is practical but also very human and acknowledges the unique situation and emotions we each experience and bring to our work. While Brooke and I could discuss a myriad of digital marketing related topics, today we're going to discuss a topic prevalent to many small business owners and marketers, particularly those who work on their own or in small teams, mental health. More specifically, we'll be discussing some of the causes of work-related stress for marketers and business owners, how to proactively care for your own mental health, recognising the signs and symptoms of work-related stress, and what you can do to help recover from severe stress and burnout. Brooke also shares with us what she is learning at the moment and the one skill she recommends people develop to be prepared to do their best online. Please note, neither Brooke nor myself are qualified health professionals and instead are sharing advice from our own personal experiences. If you are struggling with severe stress or burnout, I recommend seeking assistance. Your GP or Lifeline can be good places to start. Thanks so much for joining us today, Brooke. I'm really excited to have this opportunity to chat with you. I feel like I've been stalking you in Facebook groups for a couple of years now and finally got <laughs> in person a couple of months ago in Melbourne for your Momentum session. And today, get to chat to you on the podcast. So welcome. Oh, thank you. Thanks for having me. And I'd love to hear more about the stalking too. <laughs> Oh, I think it's just kind of inevitable in this day and age. Like it kind of creeps up on you. Like it's not, you know, purposeful stalking, but you're just like, oh, there's Brooke. She seems cool. She knows what she's doing. I like her. <laughs> it's a bit creepy actually, isn't it? <laughs> okay, moving along. Can you please give us all a bit of a quick overview about how you came to be doing what it is that you're doing Sure. Do you want the uh, the story that's on the about page, or do you want the the background story? <laughs> oh, a, a little bit of background would be nice. Something that we can't necessarily sure. read online. Yeah, yeah. Well, I've got uh, fifteen years' experience in online communication, and I have a background in public relations. And it was in public relations that I got into publishing on the internet. So I, I looked after a big multinational company's intranet and that kind of got me my first taste of online communications, which I adored. I loved the immediacy of it. I'm very much about the instant gratification. <laughs> <laughs> and I just loved, I loved seeing, you know, things happen quickly and seeing results in real time. Although, you know, 15 years ago, the technology was rather antiquated compared to what we have now, but it was just exciting. And then I did a, a short sideways move into magazine publishing long enough to know that I hated it. I love the immediacy of online communication. And I really, I really didn't like the fact that things had to, there's a couple of things, things had to fit with print. So maybe I was a bit precious. I'm sure I was young and precious. But, you know, it irked me that we'd gotten something word perfect and we'd had, you know, said exactly what we needed to say and then we had to lose a sentence or we had to lose a few words from that particular sentence. Oh, of course. Um, yeah, so I was a bit precious about that, I guess, and also the fact that you couldn't change things. So we'd get the proofs back from the printer and then there'd be, you know, a bit of a heated debate between the uh, art director and, you know, the head editor about what mistakes we had a budget to fix. So we'd have a budget for five mistakes to fix. Oh, wow. And then, yeah, so they'd be arguing about colour and, you know, and, and print and blah, blah, and, and the typo that was missed despite, you know, everything being put through five sets of eyes. So it, it drove me nuts. The speed of it was so slow and I just, I really didn't like it. So that, that's kind of like the official story. The unofficial story is that I really hated that last job and I was basically managed out of the, of the position Ooh. and then I, I was kind of at a bit of a crossroads and I thought I've got no idea what I'm doing now 
but the the person who'd interviewed me who who managed me out in the end she said something interesting about how uh, she was afraid that I was going to learn what I could with her and then go off and start my own business and I thought what a weird thing to say like I'm, I'm way too young to start my own business what is she talking about but clearly she saw something that I I didn't and um, that's what ended up happening. So I was unemployed on the Monday and I kind of floated the idea with my partner and kind of thought out loud to him and uh, he didn't protest. I think I was kind of waiting for him to protest because he's pretty strong-willed, he's pretty opinionated. Uh, he didn't protest. So by the Friday I had registered the business name, registered the domain, um, you know, written out a list of services that I could offer and yeah, that was 11 years ago. So it's That's a very productive way. <laughs> it was. Yeah, I guess it was. And I really, probably thanks in large part to my partner who is in sales, he just, you know, there wasn't any mucking around. He, he was like, okay, so what do you want to earn? And, you know, how, how many cold calls are you going to make? How many meetings are you going to set up? All right, off you go, go and do it. <laughs> So, so I did. I kind of went, oh, okay, sure. Yep. All right. I'll jump on the phone. I'll line up coffee dates. I can do this. And that's what I did. And there wasn't a lot of pontificating or thinking or, you know, strategy. There was no strategy apart from get clients, get cash in the door ASAP. That sounds like a very good way to start. And 11 years later, you're still here and doing so much good for a lot of other small business owners and yeah, larger business owners as well. So thank you. Oh, thank you. Nice to hear. We all need external validation. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, I also love a lot of the very kind of autobiographical inspired blog posts that you share as well. So if anyone's interested in learning more about Brooke, I recommend stalking her blog. <laughs> And reading, there's lots of really, I love the um, takeaways that you've had from different travel stories and different experiences you've had throughout your life and, and, and career and how they're related into marketing as well. So lots of gold there for people. Thank you. That's a bit of background, but cutting right to the chase of just today's discussion, which is all around mental health and hopefully maintaining good mental health. What are some of the greatest causes of stress that you see for small business owners and marketers? particularly those who work on their own or in very small teams? Oh, many and varied. <laughs> I think the nature of being on the internet all day long is, is not really healthy for your brain. And I worked in social media marketing. Well, I'm still working in social media marketing. But particularly when I, I started implementing social media marketing on behalf of clients, probably about 2009, to about 2014 perhaps and I was managing multiple Facebook pages. I was managing a bunch of different Twitter channels for Australia's first daily deals websites, you know, the cheap massage, cheap oh, yes. haircuts, cheap holidays that are everywhere now. Wow. So, um, yeah. So, so every single day I was, you know, on the internet looking at stuff, sharing stuff, you know, coming up with fodder, coming up with content, creating content, curating content. And I think it, it's really not, not fabulous for your brain. It uh, scrambles your thoughts. And if you are somebody who is already inclined that way, which I am, if you're a creative person, if you're somebody who, you know, tends to jump from thing to thing, and that's, you know, why we succeed at this because of the nature of our, our ability to kind of to jump quickly across a whole bunch of different topics and areas and, you know, websites. Yes. Um, it, it can play havoc with your ability to think deeply, for your ability to focus, for your ability to get to sleep at night. So that's one major thing. And I definitely, definitely have lots of checks and balances in place now to help my brain kind of relax more effectively and to focus when necessary. But then, you know, for a, a for somebody that's working agency side, you've got multiple stakeholders. You're often sitting in between the client and, you know, the tech team or the creative team or perhaps, you know, you're managing both the client relationship and actually implementing the work. You've got, you know, a lack of benchmarks. There's, it, it, it dumbfounds me how little information there is available and, you know, so much of it is conflicting. 
So, you know, not really knowing what success looks like. Yeah. Um, the fact that there's, you know, there's always so much more that you could be doing in marketing. You know, there's always so many different um, moving parts to it and things that are evolving at the rate of knots. You know, this, this need to constantly keep up to date with technology. It's really, really normal to feel like you're, you're falling behind, you know, that you used to have a really good handle on a particular thing and then it changed and you kind of didn't keep up and, you know, you're always feeling like you're playing catch up in trying to up skill and keep on top of things. And that's becoming oh, so, so challenging. The last couple of years in particular, I've noticed how hard it, it, I feel personally keeping on top of all of the changes across all of the different platforms and channels and techniques. Yeah. It's yeah, really, Absolutely. really challenging, stressful. And we're, we're looked to as even for people who don't, conf, you know, profess themselves to be experts we're often looked to as being experts and having all the answers as opposed to being constantly learning and constantly yeah absolutely and I've been introduced at multiple different conferences and you know occasions events where I'm talking and I get introduced as the social media guru or the marketing guru and I I can't (laughs) I just think like how can I how on earth could I possibly live up to that it's you know it's a ridiculous label you know and it sets the the bar so high you know unrealistically high but then you know you and I are professional marketers and we still find it you know difficult to keep up with the technology and keep up with all the different skills and things you know how much harder is it if you are a a business owner or a self-employed soloist to to get your head around all of this stuff and you know whatever it is that you do for a living that you're having to keep up with with um, you know professional development so it's you know it's a lot on your plate it's a real challenge it's so hard and you've mentioned a few things there with there's almost that that double-edged sword of people who are good at multitasking and good at taking a lot Mm. on who Mm. adapt well to digital marketing and social media marketing in particular but then it ends up being a bit of a curse as well with Mm. kind of fueling I mean I certainly have that hamster wheel kind of feeling in my head sometimes and when I've had big days of reporting or content development or scheduling or doing some of those very repetitive tasks find it really really difficult to unwind and fall asleep Mm. I'll often you know almost wake with those dreams and those feelings continually (laughs) churning in my head oh yeah 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 and you know I think that's the worst is when you wake up in the middle of the night and your your dream that you've just pulled yourself out of is a rehash of your day yes you know <laughs> and I'll you know sometimes I'm like dreaming or I used to dream and have conversations with people on Twitter or you know internet oh, famous wow. people that I didn't actually know and I'm conversing with them you know in my dreams and it's like okay I need to cut down on my internet news that's that's probably a good sign (laughs) oh dear yeah um so you you work with a wide range of business owners these days Mm -hmm. as well through your training and coaching so even though there is there is that marketing angle they cover a whole range of areas and like you say need to wear lots of different hats as well um Mm. in your experience are these types of work related well uh, sorry are marketers and those who work in those types of creative fields more prone to work-related stress or is it something that these days is kind of just rampant and I'm just feeling very personally attached to it? Oh, look, I, I don't know if I can answer that question because I'm not sure I know enough about other industries. But certainly, I, I tell you what, one, one thing I find really useful is when I've had a really bad day, I have a couple of friends that work in medicine. I have uh, one of my best mates is a doctor and I have a couple of good friends that are nurses. I call them (laughs) and I ask them about their day and their day normally involves death and disability and, you know, serious illness. And I, I, I find that I feel so much better. It sounds ridiculous, but all of a sudden I've got this massive dose of perspective and I'm like, okay, well, nobody died today or nobody that I was responsible for. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, it sounds counterintuitive, but I find that you know, gives me a massive dose of perspective. You have actually reminded me of something that I say occasionally, but often I forget these things when I'm in the depths of my stress. So I'll often, you more often say it to other people in that within marketing, 
the bulk of what we do is not life and death. So as as, no. much, as it may feel like it and yeah. we do have a lot of these external pressures and stresses from clients or bosses or upper management or other suppliers or partners, mm. subcontractors mm. or what have you, at the end of the day, from a marketing perspective, it's, it's not life and death. Absolutely. Yep. Totally. What techniques can we proactively employ to look at maintaining a good mental health and managing stress before it becomes too much, before we're awake at night having pretend conversations? Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Well, I think isolation is a major cause of stress. And, you know, if you're self-employed, you tend to be, you know, working by yourself you're oftentimes working at home alone with no nobody else there to you know converse with apart from perhaps young children which is oh so much worse <laughs> that's another uh, stress for a lot of people as well huge amounts and you know in the last 11 years I've had two kids and we're both self-employed my partner and I and we're both working from home the majority of the time unless we're traveling or in meetings and it was it was like hell on earth for a couple of years and pe- people would meet us and learn our story and they'll be like wow you guys are living the dream and we're like are you kidding this is like this is like a nightmare not a dream there was just chaos all the time there was vomit from one end of the house to the other and my mojo took a serious dive and in fact it kind of went missing in action for about 18 months and I I was making money I had clients I never you know I never ever shut shut up shop but clients were exiting the building and I, I was really in a holding pattern. I wasn't doing hardly any business development. And what business development I did do, you know, was not fabulously effective because I was in such a funk. So um, isolation's massive. So the things that I, I recommend and the things that I do is um, I have a business coach. Uh, I am a business coach and I have a business coach. Uh, I think that works really, really well to keep you motivated and accountable. I also really, you know, there's a lot of talk about community with social media, lots of palaver about how wonderful the world is and all these communities. But so many people don't really take that seriously or they don't use it to its fullest extent. So what I mean by that is I got involved in a couple of little communities. One had about 37 people in it from across Australia, other ones with a couple of hundred people. And I reached out to people within those groups and met them in real life. So we'd have Skype dates, we'd have coffee dates. If I traveled to Melbourne, I'd meet various people. The wonderful thing about the internet (laughs) is you can reach out to someone and say, hey, I'm coming to Brisbane, you know, how about dinner? Or I've got, you know, friends in Melbourne now where I'll say I'm coming to Melbourne and they'll get a group together and there'll be no other reason other than we're kind of similar people doing kind of similar things and we'd like to meet. That's, That's it. There's no other agenda. So that has worked really well. And then, you know, I think understanding that most of your friends and family will not understand what you do. And so you shouldn't go to them seeking. It's kind of pointless asking for a particular type of support from people that don't know how to give it. You need to kind of find, you know, the right people to ask the right questions and get the right amount of support. Because most friends do not get it. It's taken my friends years and years and years. And there's certain friends and family that I will never talk to about my business because I know what will happen and it's not helpful for me. You know, I think the other thing too, a massive cause of stress and how we can help overcome it is that, you know, we need boundaries. And I I, I see a lot of people with very little boundaries, very uh, weak boundaries. Um, So, you know, how that looks like practically is if you're self-employed, your terms and conditions are your major boundaries. And, you know, they directly feed into the stress that you receive. So, for example, you know, your payment terms, whether you, whether you bill in arrears, whether you have clients on retainer, uh, whether you bill in full upfront, you know, or a 50% deposit, you know, whatever that is, that it works for you primarily because if it works for you, you will do your best work, in which case the client will get the best outcome from you. And then in the case of, you know, being in-house, being in an agency or or working as an in-house marketer, again, the boundaries of what the expectations are that, you know, that you have an open, clear, effective communication 
you know, with whoever you're working with to agree to the expectations, to have a realistic view on what the outcomes of a campaign are going to be or how much time is required or how much budget is required. And then finally that you enforce these boundaries because you can have some awesomely awesome boundaries, but they don't count for anything if you know, if you don't enforce them. And sometimes that means repeating yourself and repeating yourself and repeating yourself and pushing back and pushing back and pushing back until eventually somebody gets the message. Because they can creep up occasionally as well. I've certainly been guilty of it myself when have these good intentions of setting boundaries and then think you just make, you know, one exception this time and it snowballs into being a much bigger issue um oh, yeah kind of trace it back to oh that was actually on me wasn't it <laughs> like I, I answered that phone call outside of business hours when i promised myself i wasn't going to and communications these days i mean you're raised just you know generally working on the internet which is a big part of what we do there's huge benefits that have come from the internet and general technology and communications but yeah i see it being a massive cause of stresses across you know from people being self-employed to also um, within organizations of of all shapes and sizes simply because we are so accessible these days and there is yeah. that expectation that people can contact us and you know people are asking work-related questions on facebook messenger when you just trying to relax outside of work hour and really hard. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, if you're somebody who actually cares, if you're somebody who, you know, wants to make people feel good, who wants to be generous, who wants to be kind, you know, it can be really, really tricky because this is the kind of stuff that nobody teaches you at school or university or anywhere else. There's so many soft skills that make up, um, you know, thriving in the workforce that nobody ever teaches us. Or if they teach us, it's in a very ad hoc way you know we're lucky enough to have an awesome manager you know who 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 kind of mentors us through some challenges but nobody talks about this stuff and nobody ever learns how to do it so things like you know asserting yourself or having a delicate conversation or a difficult conversation or confronting somebody you know without putting them off side you know there's so many skills required to thrive in the workplace and and so much that's changing about the workplace that you know of course we're stressed you know of course we're overwhelmed (laughs) it's almost an inevitability you know there's so much that we need to learn on the job it's a, it's a real challenge and I mean, one of the things that I've had to do for myself is I don't check email after six o'clock at night. <laughs> so that's one of my rules and I'm very selective with what notifications I have turned on as well because mm-hmm. I have the one phone for both work and personal gone through and, and selected exactly what it is that I want to be notified of. It's, it's remarkable how few people actually do that. Everybody kind of has read the article that says it's a really good idea to turn off notifications. But how many people continue to receive bizarre notifications for irrelevant things, you know, all day long their computer and their, and their mobile device is pinging at them? It's bizarre. No wonder we have trouble focusing. Oh, it's yeah. definitely worthwhile spending, I think, that, you know, 15 minutes, half an hour just to go through all your settings and check what's actually on. It's a no-brainer. And I know you use a couple of different tools as well that you've mentioned that help focus your time more and, and cut down on different notifications as well, don't you? Yeah. So um, there's a few different things that I've found which I love. Boomerang for email is awesome and that kind of sits over the top of my professional email inbox and it has some fabulous techniques such as prompting you if you haven't received a response from somebody or if they've emailed you and you haven't responded to them yeah you can batch your email so that if you know you're doing work at odd hours you can send it at different times or you can you know you can decide okay you know, sometimes I think, oh, I don't want to appear desperate or I, I want to wait two days before I, you know, I want to wait half a day or whatever before I respond to somebody. And so I can write the email on the spot and then put a timer on it so that it sends at the time that I've told it to. I also use self-control on my desktop for social media because I have none. <laughs> uh, I do. Uh, I have Google Chrome extension for Facebook, where I don't actually see a homepage feed, which makes it makes it a little embarrassing when I'm teaching Facebook marketing oh, and I wow. pull up my I Facebook. That one. 
<laughs> yeah. I pull up my Facebook on the, you know, on the big screen on the projector and, and there's nothing to see. <laughs> um, but, you know, it makes me more, it makes me more focused. When I get on Facebook, I'm not getting lost in the homepage feed. You know, I'm, I'm able to go to a group or go to a page or go wherever I'm going and do what I need to do and then hopefully get off again. Yeah. Oh, that would definitely help. I'm installing that as we speak. So. Yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll oh, and include then, the links to all of these tools in the show notes as well if anyone's interested in checking them out. Oh, totally. Forest is awesome. I'm, I'm totally in love with this little app, Forest, um, which is a, a mobile app i believe it's only for iphone not android but i might be wrong but i'm sure there'd be similar stuff and if i'm i I use this particularly if i'm really struggling to to concentrate and to focus and i've got a long list of stuff that needs doing then i put on it, it uses the pomodoro technique so you set a timer and there's an incentive for you to to not touch the phone now it won't override your computer operating system like self-control will (laughs) but it does you know keep you focused I do find it hugely effective and it'll you know it will prompt you and stop you if it's if you're trying to um, you know get distracted by other apps outside of forest that is at your own risk (laughs) (laughs) so yeah that's just some of the things I do yeah, they're, they're great ones. And speaking of incentives, um, I really liked at the Momentum session that I um, attended in Melbourne a couple of months ago, you were talking about the fridge list from yeah. that self-care, mental health, proactive perspective. Could you explain what the fridge list is for us? Sure. I've been blogging on this very topic just this morning. Ah, I'll have to um, post when, when you publish it and we'll include that as yeah. well. Yeah. You know what I what I believe is that pretty much everybody I work with is in the motivation industry, and that is, you know, if you're any kind of teacher, if you're any kind of coach, if what you're doing or part of what you're doing is motivating other people to do something, and your work depends on that, and this is another major, you know, part of stress is because we can do an awesome job, but you know, there are other, we're not working in isolation. There are other people involved, other stakeholders. And it's incredibly stressful when you're trying to motivate somebody to do something that you're relying on them to do and it doesn't get done. So keeping your own your own self-motivated, I think is absolutely crucial and especially if you're self-employed, but even if you're not. And the fridge list basically helps you prioritize joy and it helps you prioritize self-care on a daily basis. So it's a simple idea. It came from a yoga teacher colleague of mine called Sarah DeGraff and uh, she talks a lot about mental health and how yoga can help. And the idea is that you write a list of things that you love to do and they sit on your fridge and every day you commit to doing them. So I, I, I give this as, as homework. I give this as homework to lots of my clients <laughs> to do. And, you know, the list might include 20, 20 things. I actually do this with my kids as well. You know, 20 things that give you joy. And they, they should be low cost, especially where children are involved because children yes. can get very expensive. But they should, they should be low cost. They should be accessible. So they should be something that you can quickly and easily do. You know, a massage and a facial is lovely, but sometimes, you know, our budget doesn't extend that far. Um, so it could be as simple as I'm going to have a cup of tea and I'm not going to check social media or I'm not going to have my cup of tea while sitting in front of the computer. I'm going to have my cup of tea in the sun. Yeah. Or when I eat lunch, I'm going to I'm going to do it properly. You know, I'm going to go and get something that I really enjoy and I'm going to sit in a restaurant or a cafe or I'm going to take my own lunch into the park or take my own lunch somewhere away from my work environment. Could be, you know, something as simple as going for a walk. I like to crack open the handstands. I love handstands. So, oh, really? you know, when, <laughs> yeah, I'm always cracking open a handstand or three to kind of get the blood moving when, you know, you're getting a bit foggy in the mind. Even something, you know, it sounds bizarre, but, um, you know, being kind of a long-term yoga practitioner and yoga teacher, moving is so important. And so it sounds bizarre, but jumping up and down on the spot as high as you can, as high as you can, (laughs) works really well. You cannot be serious and depressed when you're jumping on the spot feeling like an idiot. 
It, it works really, really well. It gets the blood pumping. Uh, it changes your perspective, as does the handstand. It's really powerful. It's free. It doesn't take long to do, you know, and hugely effective. Yeah, so, um, I'll definitely have to try that one. <laughs> <laughs> we, um, so, yeah, like even something simple like you know one or two things a day every day that's all you need to do so you put it on the fridge because you'll see it a lot some people um get it printed out and displayed in a nice frame at their desk or they put it at their desk or they put it in the toilet wherever it sits so long as you see it and so long as you do it that's the most important part and it's so true it's those it's those little things and those little joys that like you say, don't have to be expensive, don't have to take much time. But they're also, I find, often the first things that slip away and kind of slowly erode at us over time. Totally. So constantly yeah. like refilling that, yeah. that bucket um, to make sure that we, we don't kind of end up all, all depleted and going, what the hell happened? And that's why the, you know, the coaches and the accountability are so useful because, you know, the first thing that goes out of the window when you're stressed is the thing that you need most of all. And, um, you know, so I have a personal trainer. I, I see twice a week, every week. And, you know, sometimes that's all the exercise that I do. And, you know, at the very least I'm there because I'm not going to break that commitment to her and I'm going to, you know, squeeze every bit of value out of that, you know, those sessions because they're bloody expensive. I know. So, you know, <laughs> I'm not going to diddle around and I'm certainly not going to cancel on her, you know. So even when I can't, especially when I can't afford to go, that's when I most need to, to go. Having that financial commitment in those situations, I think definitely helps as well. And also this is something I've only just started doing this year because I'm trying to, you know, new year, new exercise regime and all that kind mm. of stuff. I've started putting everything in my calendar. So I've got a couple of classes that I go to a week and they go in my yep. calendar. But even if I'm yep. going for a run or something, it's a half an hour run, I've put it in my calendar because I that way I'm just like, well, I can't put anything else over there. I get my reminder. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Because I think, you know, the counter to stress is is joy. And, you know, there's two major things that stop us feeling joy. One of them is the negativity bias. So, you know, we have this innate tendency in us to give more weight to the negative, which is why, you know, if you get 10 testimonials and nine of them are glowing and one of them's a little lukewarm then you will dwell on that lukewarm testimonial <laughs> know that feeling <laughs> oh absolutely and then habitualization which which is basically that you start taking things for granted and and this is where the fridge list is really useful because the fridge list counters that habitual uh, habituation that happens you know where you say hey actually having a hot shower is awesome, you know, and being able to drink a cup of tea in the sun is an amazing thing because you brought mindfulness into these little pockets of joy that are really ordinary and every day. Yeah, I really love that. I know, like I mentioned, you talked about it in the session that I went to um, in Melbourne and I haven't actually done it yet, but it will be on my list to do this week and I will get it done. It'll bring me joy just making the list. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so obviously, ideally, we want to try and be proactive about our reducing our stress and, and protecting our mm. mental health. But for those periods where it does actually all become a bit too much, I know from personal experience as well, it can kind of creep creep up in us. What are some of those signs and symptoms of burnout that we should be looking for, either as we're approaching it or potentially in the depths of it? Uh, I think it's basically a disproportionate emotional response to an event you know so I, I would find in that you know year and a half of um you know I, I didn't really call it burnout but it was essentially burnout something I'd get I'd get really really annoyed by responses from clients that weren't ideal or from you know responses from prospects that weren't ideal and I knew it was out of proportion I knew um, that the resp the emotional response I was having was not appropriate for want of a better word um, so I think that's a, a massive part of it I think you know a, a, a kind of a lack of joy or a lack of spark is is one other thing so if you get anxiety on a Sunday, afternoon or anxiety on a Sunday night you know it's a sign that that something's you know something's not not really right and especially if you're self-employed yes it's stressful you know and yes an element of that 
is somewhat unavoidable. But, you know, there are easier ways to make money. If, if it is causing you so much stress and anxiety over an extended period of time and you are dreading, you know, Monday on Sunday afternoon, then there is, it's really time that you kind of took control back. There's ways that you can wrestle that joy back and seek, you know, help, whether it's professional or amateur help, you know, both can be fabulous. But yeah, I think, I think, you know, the, the other thing too is sleep, you know, there's, plenty of science about sleep and I think that sleep hygiene which is a relatively new phrase sleep hygiene is becoming a very real problem and it's becoming very prevalent for people to really struggle you know with sleep really they either struggle to fall asleep which is me or they struggle to stay asleep which is my partner it's a bit of a self-perpetuate it can be a bit of a self-perpetuating thing but sleep is so important and i i have absolutely taken drugs when required where i've had periods of a lot of work there's a lot of things going on in my business i structure my business in a bit of a sprint fashion where I work quite uh, intensively for a period and then I have a holiday and I do that, you know, every quarter pretty much or, you know, I divide the the year into thirds or quarters. And so, you know, I have periods where I've got an, an immense amount of stuff on and I have trouble sleeping. So I will take something to get me to sleep and I don't feel bad about that. You know, I can do the yoga and I can do the meditation. That's wonderful. But if I still can't sleep, yeah. I'm taking the pill. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Because like you say, it does become that terrible cycle there when the, the stress can cause us to have sleep issues. And then when you wake up tired, it can perpetuate the stress even further. So you start to have those disproportionate responses as well. Mm. And it can all snowball really, really quickly. And one of the things that you said with that, you know, really one of those big signs being that lack of joy, or spark is something I know that I've felt a number of times over my working working life, unfortunately. And that's always a really big trigger to me is when I I know that I'm really lacking motivation and enthusiasm and I feel like I can't come up with any new ideas. And that's what I always go, oh no, oh no, we're here. Oh, so it's yeah. I know I actually need to and as stressful as it sounds, I force myself to, you know, step away from the computer for sometimes a day or two if it's if it's the weekend and I'll actually have to physically remove myself from the house. So I'll be like, we're going for a big hike today or we're going to a winery or we're doing something where I'm away from the computer that absolutely trying, trying to power through it and, you know, come up with new ideas and then feeling even worse because you can't is a feeling. Absolutely. And, you know, you make an excellent point. And if I was, if I was you living in Adelaide, I'd be in the wineries every weekend. I would be there, McLaren, Val, Claire, Barossa, all the places. Um, my point is that oftentimes we need to actually learn how to relax. You know, it sounds ridiculous, but we are not very good at relaxing. And, you know, some of us need to kind of almost go back to square one and learn how to relax. And especially when you've got that kind of frenetic mind is you know self-employed people entrepreneur types and digital marketers when when you've got the kind of mind that just doesn't switch off then it makes no sense for you to be going to the beach and lying there for five hours it makes no sense for you to go to bali and lie lie by a pool for for two weeks it just doesn't work and and in fact it can make it worse i've had you know multiple holidays that i have ruined because i just cannot unwind and i'm you know i'm making unnecessary work and unnecessary stress for myself because I'm, I've found it impossible to relax. So in that scenario, something like a hobby can work really well. And a hobby is not a holiday. It is, you know, having something that uh, is very different to what you normally do that is not at all work related. It can't be, you know, a hobby that's actually secretly a skill that you're you're thinking might be useful. (laughs) It has to be a real hobby that has nothing to do with anything else in your life. So I've found that hugely useful. And I've, I've, you know, again, I've given that to some of my clients where they really struggle to switch off. They really struggle to slow their minds down and to actually rest properly. And oftentimes, you know, the hobby can get you into a different state of mind so that you can relax, so that you can fall asleep. 
Yeah, I, it's so true. And I've um, found that with a couple of, I guess you would call them hobbies, to be like little crafty things that I've tried to do on the side over the last couple of years. I learned how to crochet a couple of years ago and that oh. I actually found, I'm not, I'm not great at it. I'm okay. But I've managed to make a few baby blankets. Um, that was actually like for me, anything that's hands-on and yeah nothing to do with the computer or the internet is is really valuable so and and that was also good for me because I was I had gotten into the habit of you know scrolling through my phone while watching tv a lot at night time (laughs) which just kind of a a double whammy um so to be able like instead I was still watching some tv with my partner at night time which is our way of unwinding but simply doing crochet kind of like kept me off the phone and I was really focused on on what I was actually doing creating it was really exciting Oh, absolutely. And actually there's, there's uh, science behind this that anything that you do with your hands, so that could be crochet, it could be craft, it could be baking, it could be gardening, it could be uh, I took up fine woodworking for a period. Anything that you do with your hands actually stimulates a part of the brain that's responsible for creative thinking. Oh. So, yeah, so it actually works really well. So even... <laughs> Even though ostensibly you're there because it's not work-related, it can actually be really <laughs> useful for work, you know, and I've had multiple, you know, I'm constantly coming up with blog blog topic ideas all the time, you know, when I'm doing something else. Oh, no, that's great. We've already provided so many great examples of, of what we can do once we've found ourselves in a position of that severe work-related stress or burnout to help recover. So things like taking back control of sleep, even if it means you know, taking some um, drugs or supplements to help with that, um, changing your situation. So I really think that's important. Like you said, being honest that if your working environment, whether it's self-employed or another situation is really not for you and is causing extreme stress and anxiety, and it's important to look at it and and look at making a change to another job or position Mm. or type Mm. of type of um, employment, um, getting help. So whether it's that professional help or some amateur help as well, taking up hobbies like we've just talked about and Mm. the structure that you talked about as well. So like you said, you like to are comfortable working in that structure of having some intense periods and then followed by a holiday. Do you Mm. find that even like simply having that holiday to look forward to assists with getting through that stressful period without burning out? Well, absolutely. Totally. Absolutely. So, you know, I think the, the other thing too is that, you know, stress is not the ogre that we've been taught that it, that it is. And in fact, it's your attitude to stress that makes all the difference in how you actually cope or, or otherwise. And, you know, one of my favourite uh, authors on this topic is um, Kelly McGonigal. So she's got lots of talks on TED and um, TED Talk and uh, YouTube. She's written a great book called The Upside of Stress. And, you know, I, I think it's, it, it's your ability to deal with stress and it's your attitude to stress that makes more of a difference than what the actual stress itself is. You know, that we have an immense capacity for resilience. It dumbfounds me what ordinary tragedies that everybody has. You know, most people that have any experience of life you know, have some kind of tragedy or some kind of trauma. It's an inevitability of living, really. That is not the important part. The important part is what happens next. You know, how do you deal with it? How do you frame it? How do you make it into a strength? How do you incorporate it into your story? You know, whether or not that story sits on your about page or whether it's the story that you tell yourself about your experiences. But all of this is so much more important, you know, than trying to avoid stress in the first place because there's a certain amount of stress and trauma and tragedy that is just, it's just part of life. It's unavoidable. Yeah, I really love that. And it's, it's so important that we, we can't completely avoid it. And even like we've talked about, there are some great techniques you can use and boundaries you can put in place, but life just being what it is and work being what it is, it is, it is going to occur. But the thing we can control is our response to it. Very powerful. Thank Absolutely. you. So to wrap up a couple of questions, who or what inspires and motivates you and keeps you going? I think this is where I'm supposed to say my family. <laughs> <laughs> um, but really, it's holidays. 
I love travel. I love music. I saw some music on the weekend, which was fantastic. I'm going to see Lily Allen on Tuesday night, which is awesome. Um, I, I talk a lot about music in my business because, you know, that's important to me and it's important that it's a priority for my clients as well. So, it, you know, it kind of works to attract the right people and repel the right people as well. Um, you know, when you fly your freak flag. Oh, that's actually that's another very good tip on how to, to proactively manage stress, I think, like being who you are. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, and my children, of course, my children, of course, my family. But I'm happy to share that the reason I started running courses around Australia was that I wanted to run away. I, you know, I was knee deep in nappies thinking, how the hell can I have a legitimate reason to leave, you know, and have my partner, you know, look after them for a few days without help? I know I'll run a course in Melbourne. So, you know, that was kind of the beginning of it. So, you know, travel and, and holidays are a big part of what motivates me and what keeps my you know tank full so to speak and I'm working at incorporating travel into work more um, not just kind of traveling interstate to run courses but you know doing doing workplace training and in-house training interstate and overseas I've um, run a couple of different events where I'm in Byron Bay. I'm going to Bali in November to um, with a client who's in, employing me to to run a business retreat over in uh, over in Bali where people can relax. So I find that supremely motivating. And like I said earlier, you know, I structure my year so that I can stack my work, I can stack courses and trainings and things and then have a break. And I find that works really well for me. Yeah, that's a, that's a really great approach. And I think there's lots of different ways, even for people who who aren't necessarily self-employed or, or for those who, who don't work in the training and coaching space to have that mentality that you can you know, work in these more extreme sprints or working on, on particular projects or campaigns, uh, but then, then make sure there's a, some, some downtime, whether it's an official holiday or break or just having a quieter period to recover from it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, some people are homebody. Some people love hanging out at home. And if that's you, you know, hats off to you. Fantastic. Uh, in which case, you know, what inspires and motivates you might be, you know, saving some money for a renovation or saving some money for a new piece of furniture or, you know, pottering around the house, you know, in the morning, in the evening, in the middle of the day, doing whatever it is, you know, that, that, that sparks your joy. Oh, wonderful. Um, and you mentioned a while ago, because I always ask a question about what people are learning at the moment, that you were learning fine woodwork skills a while ago. Is there anything else that you're learning at the moment? Yeah, so kind of something that's not strictly work-related, although probably is more work-related than I initially appreciated, is neuroscience. So I've just done um, a course uh, with Dr. Sarah McKay from the Neuroscience Academy about how the brain works and how we motivate ourselves and how we motivate others I find, I'm finding that supremely interesting I'm really enjoying that and I can definitely see how it relates to what how it's going to make me a better business coach and a better trainer and what is the one skill or area I'm going to get back to digital stuff now what's the one skill or area that you'd encourage others to develop if they want to be prepared to do their best online I would say copywriting Really, I think, um, you know, I went into my own business 11 years ago and my primary skill that I felt most confident in was writing. And I think it's a skill that really translates into so many different areas of marketing. Even if the only writing you do is in briefs and proposals and scope of work, uh, you know, your ability to be persuasive through language is massive, is massive. And, you know, I've done all kinds of different writing over the years from magazine publishing to internal comms to um, social media marketing to blogging, lots of blogging, lots of kind of building community. And it's fun. It's seriously fun. I, I have done quite a lot in direct sales in recent years and it's almost 
unfashionable to admit. I'm sure it's deeply unfashionable, but I love it. I love it. It's surprising how much I love it, considering how many years I put into slowly, slowly content marketing, building up trust, building up credibility, building up authority, being generous. And then I'm just really enjoying the direct sales writing. We probably need for you having that that background in the more traditional kind of content marketing, persuasive copy. Has that helped with the more direct sales oriented copy that you're doing now? Oh, undoubtedly, because I think, you know, I think what a lot of kind of big internet marketers miss and what a lot of kind of more salesy, you know, people miss online is they miss the psychology of it and they inadvertently patronize their audience. They inadvertently insult their audience. I often see marketing that does that. I often see marketing that I find insulting. I'm like, you think I'm an idiot and I am an idiot for wasting any more time with you, you know, and then click you gone. So deeply understanding your audience and understanding the different personal predicaments that they find themselves in, the challenges that they're facing in transforming from wherever they are now to wherever it is that they want to be and the nuances, you know, the subtleties in different people's situations, the the subtleties in different people's psychology is crucial if you're going to be good at doing that direct sales writing. Mm, so true, so true. So if people want to read more of your writing or hear more about you, where's the best place for them to find or follow you or stalk you? <laughs> yeah. Um, well, I've got two websites, um, brookmccarthy.com without an E, brook without an E. Um, my main website is hustleandheart.com.au. And if I had to choose one social media, it would probably be Instagram. So on Instagram, uh, my handle is Brooke McCarthy. Again, no E. And yeah, you might even see a few different music concerts that I've attended lately. I I do really love your mix of updates on Instagram. There's some (laughs) fantastic business motivation and inspiration and and tips in there. And then also insight into you and what you're doing in your life and work life as well. So we'll include the links to all of those um, websites and social channels in the show notes as well. So thanks so much for your time today, Brooke. Yeah, like I said, this is a a topic that is quite dear to my heart as well. So no, I can be quite prone to getting quite stressed and anxious in in regards to my work. So it was good to to chat about some of those causes of stress for marketers and, and business owners, but also talk about some of those techniques that we can use to try and be proactive about preventing stress or preventing it from snowballing and building up. So things like setting those boundaries, um, particularly in regards to communication, having clear outcomes, switching off, literally switching off from some of our social media networks and channels. And there's, you mentioned some, some great apps there that we can use like self-control and the the Google Chrome, Facebook plugin and the the forest app to help us um, disconnect and focus on, on what we need to. Also things like maintaining only the notifications that we need to have on our phones and probably most importantly, having that really clear terms and conditions as well, particularly for self-employed people that can assist with preventing a lot of sources of stress, particularly financial and client related stress there. So thank you so much for your time today. Like I said, we'll definitely have another chat on another episode in the future because you've got so much of value to, to offer us. Thanks very much. Thank you. Thanks so much, Erica. It's been awesome. Just a reminder that if you are struggling with severe stress or burnout, or this discussion has raised some issues for you, please seek assistance. Your GP or Lifeline can be a good place to get some support.